Hey, it's Jess, and welcome to The Heart Strong, a podcast where we explore navigating the challenges in our lives. It's my personal mission to guide you towards your greatest potential. So come along with me as we explore living with courage, or as I put it, living heart strong. On today's podcast, I'm sitting down with Rachel Macy Stafford. Rachel is a New York Times bestselling author of Hands Free Mama, Hands Free Life, Only Love Today, and Live Love Now. Rachel is a certified special education teacher who is just an all-around amazing person. And this is her second time joining me in the HeartStrong podcast. And to be honest, the first time was one of my best listened to podcasts. So I'm so excited to have Rachel here. We're going to talk about a lot of things today, but we're going to talk about her new book, which is launching March 28th, which I had a peek at, and it's unbelievable. It's called Soul Shift, A Weary Human's Guide to Getting Unstuck and Reclaiming Your Path to Joy. Welcome, Rachel, to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited you're here. I just want to tell you, your book I mean, and I don't say this a lot, it's amazing because I think what's going to be so incredible about it is that it's so authentic because it's so, you're just so kindly, generously sharing so much of yourself, but then it's practical. Like people can, you say, here's things you can do. And I, I just think it's going to do amazing. I just want to tell you that, but I've always, in the times that I've talked to you and just reading what you write you know, I always feel like you have such a pulse on the collective human heart. Like you really get in, in there with people. And so I just want to know if you could tell us like, what have you been sensing and, you know, in within your own heart and within the world that led you to write Soul Shift? Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for that beautiful um, encouragement. Um, so I teach a Soul Shift online course, and I also teach it in person in workshops. And I started that in 2018. So it's been really interesting as I've been able to interact with people one-on-one to see this trend that's happened over the last couple of years, which is between like the drudgery and despair that so many people are feeling is just mounting and I kept hearing over and over, no matter like what the background or the walk of life or, you know, who it was, it was across the board that people were saying, I'm not just tired, but I'm weary. Mm -hmm. I'm so weary down to my soul. Like I, I don't have zest. I don't, you know, I get up, it's like groundhog's day every day. And I just want to have that joy, that everyday joy. It doesn't have to be big, grand things, but just that feeling of peace and and that spark. And so as I just kept hearing about that, I really thought back to my own moment when I realized, oh, wow, I'm, I'm basically just living this life where I get up, I do all the things and I really have lost sight of like what truly matters. Mm. And so it seemed like a perfect fit for me because I had done my own 
work to, to, like you said, in very practical ways, because I'm a special education teacher. So I, I know it's like, we're not going to make these big, you know, sweeping changes or overhaul our life. That's just not possible. But what small choices and, and pieces of awareness can help us bring that joy back into our everyday life. And so that is where Soul Shift was born. That's incredible. And I think you're right. I've heard the same from people and felt the same myself. I mean, I think it is across the board. You know, I was thinking last night in preparation of this conversation, you know, we had the pandemic and I think so many people thought, well, once it's over, we're going to like, what, you know, dust it off and move on. But we really haven't. And I think we're seeing now like the impact of it in so many areas of our lives, our society, our kids. And it's almost like this healing period that has to happen, that people yeah. are just just automatically craving. It's like they don't even almost know what they need, but they just know that they need it. That's so true. And just so much of the soul shift process is about listening to yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. what's getting lost in this constant information coming at us and just everything feels so rushed and inundated. It's like we have to pull back and say, wait a minute, the world doesn't know what I need. I do. And and if you haven't listened to yourself for a while, you, you probably feel doubt about that. You probably like, I don't really know, but you do. You just need that time, space, and permission to get in touch with those parts of you. And that's what I help people do in the book. Mm -hmm. And you really do. You know, you talked about being disconnected from joy. And I think we can all relate to that in one way or another. And I think that there's like, you know, a difference between joy and happiness. I always think like happiness, I think is like circumstantial. Joy is like that deep peace. Um, but I think sometimes we feel like that's a privilege to have joy or it's a, it's a, it's a nice to have, I should say, or it's like a treat to have joy. You know, it's not like a, it's not something that we can have. And why do you think like we're so disconnected from that, that feeling that we can just have joy? So I'm talking, not talking about like happiness, like everything's perfect, but just a deep sense of, of joy and peace. Why, why do you think we feel that way? Well, I think that as we are in this culture where we are so often told what to buy, how to think, where to, where to spend our focus, our energy, um, you know, and that's in the, in the grand scheme, but also, you know, in, in the minutia of the day, um, you know, you might personally have expectations, demands that you are meeting all the time, what happens if you are meeting expectations outside of yourself and you're measuring your success, um, your accomplishments by these external measures, you're cutting yourself off to your authentic self, to, to that part of you that knows what brings you joy, what helps you thrive. And sometimes you have to go way, way back to like when you were a little kid to remember when was the last time I really felt like 
totally lost track of time. I was just so immersed in what I was doing, you know, and that's always for me a good sign that I'm doing something I love. If it's like Mm -hmm. time just gets away from me. And so I think that it's just this pace of this world. It doesn't allow us to be connected to that part of ourselves. And so we're going to be talking about boundaries and that's, that is so, so important because we have to be able to say, no, I'm not doing all these things, or I'm not basing my worth on how much I get done today. I'm, my worth is based on, did I have a moment of connection with my child or my partner? Did I feel like I heard my own warning signs, Hmm. you know, so often we we're hungry and we say, I'm just going to push that off because I don't have time to eat right now. That's just a very simple example of how we don't listen to our body and our needs. Yeah. Or I'm hungry and I, I'm going to eat crap because I don't have time to make something healthy for myself because I'm not worthy of that, right? Exactly. So yes. those little things. You know, in the book, I love this. And I think this is such a, I want to kind of showcase the practicality of what you're offering in, in this book, which I think is amazing. But you you talk about a list. You made a list. Mm-hmm. And um, one column was furthest from from what truly matters and the other one was closest to what truly matters. And that really resonated with me. And I'm wondering if you can tell our listeners about it. I think it struck me because just like what you said, there's so many noises and voices and shoulds. There's so much of the world that wants to tell us what should be on each list for us, right? Right. Having that moment to say, well, what matters to me? What makes me feel... Um, closest to that or furthest away from that. So I would love for you to share that. I think it's just, it's a simple, but really practical just idea that just really struck me. Yeah. So this is an awareness tool and so much of changing our, the choices that we're making each day to get closer to what matters to us and not to the world is being aware. And all day long, we are presented with opportunities to either go toward what fulfills us or go toward those things that deplete us and leave us feeling empty and maybe resentful. And so I started paying attention to those moments that I really felt far away from where I wanted to be and what matters to me. And just for an example, I realized like three days in a row that I was standing at the kitchen counter and I ate my lunch really fast so that I could get back to work. And I wondered, you know, at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm so exhausted. I don't feel like I had a break. Well, I didn't have a break. I didn't sit down and savor my food and enjoy and give thanks. And, you know, those, those expressions of gratitude, that is a true connector to joy. So then I was like, okay, 
I'm going to just write this down. When I'm standing at the counter inhaling my food, I feel far from what matters. So tomorrow, when I have that choice, I'm going to sit down. And so then it was just like becoming aware of these little moments. Like another one was, I feel the closest to what matters when I'm riding in the car with my daughter and we roll down the windows, even if it's cold and we turn up the music and she like puts her arms out the window, kind of like a, <laughs> like a bird. And I just, I watch her like with the, with the wind blowing on her face. And I feel so close to what matters in those moments. It's like, we're, we're in the car, we're in this bubble. Like the world is not affecting us in that moment. And so then that became like one of those what ma- when I feel the closest to what matters, that went on that list. And so I just encourage people to start making their own list because then they become aware of these opportunities that they have in their everyday life to turn toward what fulfills them or turn toward what depletes them. And it's just, it's a very simple exercise, but I, I find myself doing it probably every couple months, I kind of am like, I need to get back to what matters. I need to make my list. And it changes, you know, depending on what the circumstances of my life are. You know, I have a a college student now. And so some of the things that I did to feel closest to what matters with Natalie, they have changed because she's now far away. So even though the circumstances of our life change, we can still embrace those moments. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, I think it's just such a practical thing to think about in our day. And, you know, I was listening to a podcast the other day talking, it was really about like brand building and business, but they were talking about how it's just the simple things. It's like we think that there's these big, gigantic, complicated things to do but it's really about getting back to the basics and back to ourselves, which is what soul shift is really about. And I thought, I think that, um, yeah, I think that that is something that I'm going to, you know, implement in my, in my life. Just, it's just really good to think about. So the book is full of eight practices that you offer to people and you outline them and you share so much of your own story, which I think really gives people permission to dive into theirs. But I wanted to go into two of the practices that I really loved and resonated with me. We could talk about all eight, but we'd be here for like two hours. So, (laughs) um, so the first one is self-worth and I, really thought that was powerful because I think it's something that we struggle with as humans, as women, as mothers, um, you know, back to like, I'm not even worthy to stop for lunch or I'm not even worthy of a healthy meal or I'm not worthy of going to bed and leaving my dishes a mess because, you know, whatever stories we tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so this idea of self-worth is really foundational for doing the work that you are inviting people to do. So I'm wondering if you can share your journey with self-worth and just how you've worked towards adopting a posture of of self-love in your own life, or at least like working towards that. Yeah. Um, really understanding how my self-worth was connected to 
this desperate need I was feeling to get back to my joy was really kind of earth shattering to me. I didn't really see how it was connected um, until I started looking into like, okay, so if if self-worth is how you value yourself as a human being, and yet I'm not doing things to honor myself. I'm, I'm doing things to honor this person that people want me to be. Mm-hmm. So therefore, why am I feeling so disconnected? There you go. Mm-hmm. So when I realized, okay, I'm measuring my worth on external variables like um, my appearance, um, my my status, you know, of like getting asked to do things in the neighborhood, like, oh, she's the go-to person. You know, I would pat mm-hmm. myself on the back. Um, just how much I accomplished, the the level of education that I had. Like I I just kept thinking, I gotta get more more classes, more degrees. Like I just got to keep striving. And when it came down to it, uh, it was something that I realized it was a New Year's Eve and we were going to go to some, do something in the neighborhood and everyone in my family was dressed up and I, every part of my body wanted to be home with my pajamas on, with popcorn on the sofa with my family. And yet I'm, I'm getting myself in a dress. I'm berating myself over how I look Mm -hmm. and I go out and naturally after you've berated yourself, you're, you're not going to be nice to the people in your family, you know? Yeah. So I was mean and and cruel to my husband and my go- my daughters and I saw a picture of that I had taken that night and I saw the tears on my daughter's face <laughs> and it was like wow like this this need to validate myself by all these measures that don't matter to me are costing me everything and realizing like I I don't value people for their money, status, fortune, fame. I I could care less. I I value people for their heart, for their kindness, for who they are. So it was like my values were not aligned with these measurements. So I had to figure out, okay, how do I start measuring myself with meaningful measures? That's Mm -hmm. how I'm going to get back to living a more fulfilling and authentic life is to figure out what, again, back to what matters to me and letting go of this need for validation. You know, if you've based your worth on external validation and approval of others, it's not easy to to start 
letting go of that and disappointing people because that's what it means is you, you have to start saying, no, I'm not going to do that or no, that's not who I am. Mm -hmm. And so the great thing about it is when you can walk away with your self-respect intact, there's nothing better than that. Yeah. So let's break that down for just a second. Cause I read that part in the book too, about the new year's event. So knowing what you know now and you know, the sort of the posture of self-love that you've adopted, if you were presented with that scenario again, what would you do differently? Hmm, I love that. So I have learned, and it gets me a little bit emotional to mm. talk about it, but I've learned that when I'm struggling mm-hmm. with something about myself and my worth, I will talk to my daughters and I will talk to my husband and I'll say, I'm having a hard time right now. Mm. I'm, I'm measuring myself on these things and it's making me feel bad about myself. And I know that's not who I am. And so that if this were to happen now, I would tell them and they know now because I've been talking about it now for about five years, what some of my big triggers are. And, um, and I've asked them when I'm going into these territories, I need your support. And and this is what you can help me by doing. And, um, even so Natalie, who's 19 now, she knows now that a lot of things that I struggle with relate to body image. And so she has given me a few like body positivity mantras that help me guide me back to my worth as, as a human being, my inherent worth. And she had them printed up really pretty. And she posted them in a place where she knew I could go look. She's not here. She's at college. And she was always the one who kind of knew when I was struggling. Mm-hmm. So she said, mom, when you're struggling, I want you to go read those. And so being able to share with our loved ones, our biggest insecurities, mm-hmm. it's I always worry they're going to turn away from me. They're going to not like me. They're going to think, oh, I wish she wasn't my mom. But it's absolutely the opposite. The more real you are, the more human you are with your children, with your friends, with your family. And of course, you can't be that way with everyone. But you right. you figure out, you figure out, this is the per- this is a person I can be honest with. But once you have that relationship, that it's beautiful because then they can be that way with you. Right. They can, they, it gives them permission to say, Hey, I'm struggling today. I think especially as our kids get a little older and we can have those conversations with them easier. I think that's beautiful because we're human beings. I mean, you know, my, even my boys who aren't as old as your girls, like mom's having a hard day or I'm really disappointed about this or, you know, I'm frustrated about this. And um, I think there's value in that, in, in, in being honest with our kids. And then it, they encourage us. And I've had my boys do the same thing for me. And it's, it's really awesome because we're humans. I mean, we're, tr- we're all trying to figure this out. Um, um and, well, and I, I just, 
Oh, go ahead. No, I, no, I wanted to add something. Yeah, go ahead. You just reminded me when you were talking about your boys and they're younger than my girls. And what I think is really important for if you do have younger kids, the beauty of being able to say, I'm struggling right now because I'm worried about this doctor's appointment or something. Mm-hmm. What happens then is they can say, oh, this isn't about me. I did, I'm not making mom mad right now because with Natalie, I did not do the emotional regulation for a good 10 years of her life. And I got to see firsthand how she internalized my stress and anger. So I love that you brought that up, that you talk to your boys who are younger than my girls, because they're also realizing, oh, this isn't about me. Right. I don't have to fix it. I just have to, you know, mom's telling me what I can do to support her. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a good reminder because, you know, as parents, especially moms, I I mean, sometimes I do feel this way. I'm supposed to have the answers. I'm supposed to fix it. I'm supposed to always, you know, be in a good mood for them. And mm-hmm. I, some of that, yes. I mean, we are leaders and we, we do need to make our children feel secure. But I do think that honesty is really important too. And, and so when you talk about self-worth, you also talked about boundaries. And I want to bring that into the conversation too, because I think they are, I think we could have a whole podcast about boundaries, frankly, but I think sure. they're a really important part of connecting to ourself, having self-worth, having mm-hmm. healthy relationships with our partners, spouses, kids, friends. So Talk, let's talk about boundaries and you know how you've sort of framed them in your life and how you, they fit into the soul shift framework that you've written about. Yes. So I have in the book something that I call the a boundary assessment tool because it's kind of like, you know, you go to the doctor mm-hmm. and they don't just jump right in and say, here's what you need to do. They assess you. You know, so it's kind of nice to see, okay, where am I and, you know, what areas do I need to work on? And what, so I like giving examples to people because I think sometimes we're like, well, I don't know if I need better boundaries, but then I read off some of these, um, what do I call them? Um, Just these statements, basically. Mm -hmm. And so I'll just read a couple of them. Um, can you recall a time when you were treated badly and failed to speak up? Would it be accurate to say you give away too much of your time? Are there moments when you agree with people when you actually feel like disagreeing? Are there times when you say yes, when you just want to say no? So, when I read those out loud during my workshops and I always make a point to say, don't feel bad if you say yes to all of these, (laughs) you know, how do you think I wrote them? Because I at some point have said yes to all of these, but again, it's the awareness like, okay, wait a minute. I do often say yes when I want to say no. And when I do that, I feel kind of angry and and resentful. 
And then I just kind of have to simmer by, you know, alone, personally simmer and then like do it, even though you don't want to do it. Well, realizing that, okay, wow, those feelings of anger and and resentment, those are a service to me. Those are an indicator that my boundaries are being crossed. And I had not put that together. Like I just thought, I'm mad, I have to do this. But then it, it dawned on me that, well, I have a choice here. You know, I don't always have to say yes. And someone who was very instrumental in this process was my husband, Scott, who it, it's so basic, but um, I don't know, for some reason, this really got through to me, but I was telling him about, you know, I, I'm going to try to stop saying yes to so many requests of my time, you know, to do whatever it is that I'm being asked to do. And <laughs> Scott said, just because someone asks you to do something doesn't mean you have to do it. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> like <laughs> mind blown. You know, it was so basic. Yeah, but I was yeah. like, oh, I was like, you're right. You know, so to, to begin setting these boundaries, I simply started to pause and ask myself a very important question, which was, but what do I want to do? But what do I want to do? As simple as when someone asks me, where do you want to go to lunch? Instead of thinking, okay, let me see. My friend said she's like this, this, and this, and, you know, running through the whole, how, how can I please this person? Instead, it's like, but wait, she's asking me where I want to go to lunch and I'm going to ask myself, you know? And so setting boundaries begins with that awareness that we have a choice and then being able to say that choice out loud and then recognizing some people may not like that choice, that self-honoring choice. And we have to say to ourselves, I'm not responsible for how this person feels about how I'm honoring myself. I'm not responsible for that. So this is practice, practice, practice. I go through these steps every single day and it's not, it's not easy for me. I still have to pause. I still have to ask myself, but the more that I do it and the more that I see I'm okay, even when someone says, well, if you're not going to do that for me, then X, Y, Z, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, some people will come out and say they're angry that I'm not going to do something. Some people will just be very passively aggressive about it. And I have to stop myself from rushing in to say, let me fix it. I don't want that person to be mad at me. But again, my sister who is um, in the field of social work, my sister also taught me that if somebody cuts ties with me because I've set a boundary and I feel like, oh, I need to like repair that. My sister's like, don't throw good energy at a bad situation, Rachel. 
And, and, and my sister told me that she and I are completists. We like to have everything be nice and tidy. Everything's got closure. Well, sometimes when you set boundaries and people walk away, there is no closure. Yeah. And my sister's taught me, don't reach out, Rachel. You're just opening a, a can of worms and you don't want to keep this toxicity going. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes with boundaries too, it's like when we put up a boundary and somebody doesn't like it for whatever reason it is that they don't like it, that really says more about them mm. than it does about us. And it's not judging them for their reaction, but maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe something just happened in their life and this is triggering them for work that they need to be doing. Then it's a gift to them and an opportunity and an invitation for them to say, hey, wait a second, why am I feeling or why am I triggered in this way? Right. And so that's their work to do. I love that. Like if we don't if, if we try to fix it, cause I'm, I like to fix things too. So I'm, 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 I'm a recovering fixer. So I'm saying this, you know, <laughs> transparently, but I, I read this recently and it was like, if I try to fix something for someone else, I am not honoring them as a full human capable mm. of, of their own work. I am not yeah. honoring them. And so it's a really kind of a different slightly way to think about I it, but I really, that. yeah, I've really shifted that. Cause it's like, this is my work and I'm being honest. And then how, what they say, what, how they react is really kind of none of my business. And that's really hard when you love someone. And sometimes yeah. we do need to work through things with people and we can't just walk away. We do need to say, Hey, this sure. is why I needed to make this decision. Mm-hmm. And that's brave. Right. And that goes back to self-worth. I'm worthy of having that conversation, mm-hmm. but just believing that they're, that they're capable of their own work, whether they know mm-hmm. it or not, um, I think gives us freedom to have boundaries that, that, that make us whole and healthy too. That's a really, really powerful way of, of realizing I'm not going to take this away from them. Yes. This is is their opportunity. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Oh no, I, you know, it's a new idea that I've had because I struggle with boundaries too. But the other thing I wanted, one more thing I want to say about boundaries before we move on to authentic selves, because I want to talk about that too was that when we break a boundary with ourselves, at least this is true for me, you can feel it in your body. Mm. Like you're like, eesh, you know, whether oh, like, yes. you know, like sometimes like my shoulders are tightened or I'm like, I'm like, crap, I cannot believe I just did that. You know, yes. and I love how you said, take a pause. Mm-hmm. You mentioned taking a pause. And I think that's such an important thing when somebody says, will you do this? Or will you be part of this? Or mm-hmm. will you donate your time? Or it's okay. Yeah. So, you know, I have to think about that for a second and can, can yeah. I get back to you? Because yeah. when we want to, we're helpers and we're fixers and we want to, yeah. and we care about, we genuinely love people and want to be part of their lives. It's just such a, it's a reflex. And so it's like, wait a second, because you feel it in your body. And I've really been trying to pay attention to how my body feels when I'm, somebody asks me something and using that as sort of like a little, a little bit of information about how I want oh, to absolutely. Yeah. That that's something in soul shift that, that I do talk about a lot you is do. to pay attention to those signals that your body is giving you. And so often we will dismiss those because we've been conditioned to please and accommodate. And, and that's why I think it's so important. I love that you brought that up. Sometimes 
we will say, yes, I can do that. And then we're like, oh, why did I do that? That's a, that's a good time to have grace with yourself and say, you know, okay, I, I really, I just did something I don't want to do, but this is how I've operated for my whole life. Like I, I'm speaking for myself here, but it might also speak to other people, but I associated my worthiness by how much I accommodated and pleased people because, you know, getting those pats on the back really right. early on, it's like, oh, wow, I'm, yeah. I'm getting a lot of attention for being the helper and the, and the accommodator. And so, you know, and that worked, that worked for us for a while. And then we started realizing, wow, I'm really cutting myself off from the core of who I am by constantly trying to meet out these expectations outside myself. So if you don't get it right every time, just have grace for yourself. Yeah. That's such a good reminder. Such a good reminder. So I want to talk about authentic selves, being your authentic self, because I think this dovetails really well with self-worth and it's one of the eight practices that you talk about in your book. Um, And I think that you know, we've already kind of talked a little bit about being in alignment and being authentic and it goes into how we see ourselves and creating boundaries and stuff. But, um, I would just love to explore a little bit more about your journey of, of, of really becoming more your authentic self and listening to your voice and then acting on it. Because I think sometimes the first step is we know, we know what's authentic, but gosh, we don't, always act on it. So can you share a little bit about that with us? Well, when I talk about authentic self, I kind of like to tell people that it's the version of you that you are when no one else is around. Mm -hmm. And so when I was talking about that um, New Year's Eve example, and that my authentic self wanted to be sitting on the couch in her pajamas, not being around a ton of people. So like, as I've gone along in my journey, I've realized, okay, having a ton of friends and being really like networking socially, that depletes me. That is not my authentic self. I'm, I am happiest when I'm with you know, maybe even one-on-one with someone. So I want people to just think about, okay, if no one else is around, who are you? What do you like to do? Um, how do you spend your time if, if no one's telling you how to spend your time? And the reason that getting in touch with like, who am I when no, no one else is around is important because then we have to realize how often do I put a mask on when I go into certain situations? Now, I had a lot of roles over the years that I took on and they really weren't true to who I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And so like being what we call, what I call the accommodator, um, you know, this task taskmaster, this overachiever, um, the one that everybody called when something needed to get done. It's like, I got myself into these roles 
and I put on this mask like, oh, this is great. I love this. I love helping all these people. But then inside, I'm feeling very, very sad and miserable. So the the idea is, how do we start removing these masks that we've collected over the decades of our life and start to show up as our true authentic self. And that's what we explore in that chapter. And you give some real practical tools and ways for people to do that. So I think that is so powerful. Okay. I want to, I, I recently read Martha Beck's book. I don't know if you know who Martha Beck is, but um, she talks a lot about integrity, which reminded me a lot of, of, about your book. And she just talks about it being in alignment, being like wholly who you are, being not lying to yourself, which I think is essentially a lot of a lot of the things that you're saying. Yes. Um, but I'm wondering, and that's something that I've been thinking a lot about lately for myself. But you know, the book you go into practices, but is there like one nugget? Is there one thing that you could that you've done in your life that you could just give to our listeners and say, this is just a taste of something that I've done to help myself be really aligned and authentic? Um, so when I mentioned earlier how I would get ready to go out into public and really the mirror, standing in front of the mirror, I realized was kind of like standing over a trap door for mm-hmm. me. Like I would stand in front of the mirror and I could find a lot of problems, a lot of reasons why I wasn't enough to show up. And, you know, once you start going down that tunnel, you know, you fall through the trap door, it's really hard to get out of. So the thing about our authentic self is that's like where our gifts are. Like Mm -hmm. that's where our contributions are. So if we're telling ourselves, we can't go out, we can't go to this meeting, or we can't go to this group, or we can't go advocate because we're not enough. Then that beautiful gift and that beautiful contribution that we have to make that no one else can make, because I'm convinced everyone has a unique com- contribution, it, it, it stays hidden. Yeah. So what I started doing when I realized my trap door is the mirror, And it talks me out of doing things that I feel like I'm supposed to do with my gifts and my presence. So to be my most authentic self, I started putting on hats instead of looking at myself in the mirror. I bypassed the mirror, went straight to like the ball cap or, you know, the cute little Western looking hat. Like I I just got a whole bunch of different hats and I started putting those on in order for me to say, I want to just show up. I'm not going to judge myself before I even arrive because I'm just going to talk myself out of it. So my hats are basically like an anchor Hmm. to my most authentic self, to to my, what I call my dreamer girl, my little eight-year-old self who, who wore, you know, 
her stripes with her plaids and she had didn't worry about her square body when she was running through the sprinkler and she didn't try to cover up her freckles like that's that part of me was that's who I'm trying to connect with again who says hey I have I have something to give to this world and I'm going to show up mm, that's so beautiful yeah and I think we all have that little girl or little boy inside of us that person inside of us who is there and it's like refinding them and allowing them yeah. to come out which I think exactly. is 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 hard and we desire it at the same time, right? It's like getting to that yeah. is, is really so beautiful. So I was thinking when I was um, thinking about authenticity and our authentic selves and self-worth, you know, I was thinking a lot about the collective and the personal, you know, just kind of how we've li been living in this like very collective experience over the last couple of years or three years, but the pandemic and everything that we've had happened and how the ripple effects but then it's also been very, very personal right in like in our in in what we've experienced as as individual people and you know in some senses we're so affected by the world because there's like you said there's so much information and it's 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 constant but then we go back into like the personal and i think sometimes those lines get blurred and that affects our authenticity too and here's kind of what i mean by that is that we get, we see something that happens in the world and we get so riled up about it, whatever that is, because there's a bazillion things to feel riled up about. Mm -hmm. But sometimes even the experience or thing that we're viewing, it it's not in alignment with us. So we may actually not believe what we're saying. Like, I think you mentioned that, or we may think differently, or maybe we have a life experience that gives us a different lens to look through that where most people aren't looking through that. And then I think it gets complicated because it's like, we want to be in community. We want to be part of whatever our friends feel or whatever they're thinking, but we think a little bit differently, or we have a little bit of a different point of view or a big, big point of view difference or a yeah. life experience that that most of those people can't see. And so then it's like, well, where do we fit? And and then if I so if I show up this way, I'm not in alignment with myself. And so I guess I'm just thinking about like how I'd love to have a little bit of a discussion about how we are authentically who we are in a world that wants to tell us what we should think or what we should do or is very, I think often myopic in the way that they view things and or one-sided or just not free-flowing and open, you know, and it's like, how do we fit into that? And I think that, so it takes a lot of courage to be yourself and to, oh, to show awesome. up for who you are because you might not be like everyone else. And I, I guess I'm thinking about this because I feel this way a lot. I mean, just given my personal experience, like for, I have a son that's disabled. So I see things the way the world operates a lot differently than a lot of people. And sometimes I'll say things and people are like, huh, you know? And so then I'm like, then I want to shut up. I'm like, oh, crap, I shouldn't have said anything, you know, mm -hmm. but that, but if I'm quiet, I'm not my authentic self. I'm not showing up in who I am in what, my story is and what I believe I can bring to the world. And so it's like, how do we do that? And then how do we cr 
create space for other people to do that because I think it needs to be modeled. Mm-hmm. I need, okay, well, tell me more about that. Tell me why you think that way. Tell me what, how you came to that point of view, you know, instead of just shutting one another out. And I guess, cause I just think that's, we want people to be authentic and then we want to set a wide table for people to be themselves and to have different ideas. And so I'm just wondering like that collective and personal, I think is, it's a really a challenge of, of if you want to be like an engaged human being. It's so true. Um, one person that I think just has a really beautiful way of talking about what these, you know, how do you show up in a world where we have so many differences of opinions yeah. and experiences. So Crystal Cobrin, um, she is uh, an inclusion specialist and she talks about diversity and just helps people, you know, whether it's in a workspace, the workplace or an organization, she helps people basically like, she calls it the space between us. Hmm. She helps people kind of reduce that space between us. And Crystal talks so much about the importance of listening. Hmm. Listening is how we connect. And so I think that when, back to your question, it's like, okay, so you know when something comes up that has to do with um, maybe uh there are discrepancies in the way that your child is treated when they go to the doctor mm-hmm. and you you see through that lens so you have this experience that people don't know about and 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 it does take courage for you to say well let me tell you about this experience and so Sometimes you are going to be met with, you know, judgment, condemnation. People are going to say, well, you know, we don't want to hear that, but there's a good chance you will get through to one person. Mm -hmm. I think that is what I see a lot of what's happening in the world is people are realizing our lived experiences are so different that we're not going yeah. to end up in that, having that same opinion because of where we are. So the more we listen to each other, the more we can realize there could be a different point of view on this. And so being able to, to find what you're passionate about, like what breaks your heart, what injustice or what causes and being able to be an advocate for that, whether it's, you don't have to do it publicly. I mean, that's the thing. So much of our world is about showing, oh, here's what we're doing to combat this problem. But honestly, it's about the action. It's it's not about the performance. Exactly. So if if you don't want to face your family who has a completely different view on, you know, whatever rights you're fighting for, maybe, and you don't want to deal with that, then go, go be your advocate in your community, go Mm -hmm. to to the events 
and pour your time and your money, you know, if that's what you have, because all of these causes and, and injustices, they need people to pour into them, whether it's time, energy, money. Um, and I just think the more that we listen to ourselves and saying, you know, my family tells me I should care about this, but I don't care about that. I care about this. So I'm going to use my time and my energy toward that. And I don't have to ask for anyone's ap- approval. Yeah. Permission. Yeah. 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 So I think what I'm hearing you say, and I, and I think it's really great advice. It's being authentic, being aligned, being honest with ourselves and where we're at and using that in whatever way we want. But then it's also from another point of view, listening and giving yeah. other people the opportunity to share why they think this yeah. or what their experience, what experience has brought them here. And that exactly. is the uniter and that's the connector. So it's listening and it's authenticity. And when, and when we give each other permission to have those things, that's how we can bridge some in curiosity, I guess I would add to of being curious about how another person oh, is showing yeah. up. And I think that and all of these things, I think the ability to do all of these things comes from being authentic and doing the work that you're suggesting in Soul Shift. Like, I really think that we, like, I think that we talk about changing the world and we post about changing the world, but if we're not doing our work as a person, if I'm not, like, you know, cleaning up my room, so to speak, how am I going to clean up anyone else's, you know? And so I just think that that is such a powerful, it's something that I've become more and more passionate about and why, one of the reasons why I think your book is so powerful is because we can't be effective if we're still not, if we don't, you know, have our own little house in order, which I'm pointing to my heart, you know, like our own self. And that's where the power comes from. And that's where the change comes from. And that's where, because then we're going to operate out of love and out of service because we're loving ourselves. That's so beautifully said. I couldn't have said it any better. (laughs) You, you nailed it. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I, you know, I've taken some of your time. I don't want to take too much more. I feel like I could talk to you forever. And I just, I really want to encourage all of you who are listening to go pre-order Rachel's book, Soul Shift. And so as we kind of close up, I want you to tell people where they can find the book, how they can pre-order it. And I know you have some special goodie that you're offering for people to a really awesome incentive to pre-order the book. Thank you. Um, So just by going to my website, handsfreemama.com, you can get the links to all the retailers. So you can find, you know, if you like to buy from an independent bookstore or you like to get yours from Amazon, um, you can go to my website, you can find all those links. And when you pre-order, which is basically ordering it anytime before March 28th, you will get something that I created called a self-compassion starter kit. And so anyone that is working on more self-love or they want to do something maybe with their child or their teenager or their partner, there's a really beautiful audio that I've created and a poster that's um, an affirmation poster that's handmade by a beautiful artist um, that I work with often. So I think it's a really pretty neat um, gift and I would love for people to have that. 
And let's also talk about how important pre-orders are just <laughs> because this, it matters to authors, yes. right? Because oh, it's yes. really, really important. And so if you want to support Rachel, a great way that you can support her is just after you get off this podcast, hop on your phone. Amazon's yeah. probably easy, but wherever you like to buy, just just buy the book. It's a little nod in her direction for all of the work that she's done, all the authenticity that she's putting out into the world. And she has a special gift for you, which is a bonus. But um, we need to be supporting people like you, Rachel, who are doing such beautiful work in the world. And like we said, like that's how we heal our world as we heal ourselves. It's not selfish. It's it's we're doing it so that we can be better mamas and better yes. partners and better friends and better people. And so you are offering this invitation to people. And I am really excited for people to to learn from you. Really quickly, though, tell people where they can find you, because if they want to come follow you along as you yeah. get ready to launch. Yeah. So um, I'm active on Instagram and Facebook at the Hands-Free Revolution. And then of course my website, um, I'm still, I'm still one of those people that writes a blog every month. Um, you know, a nice article, it's a little bit more in depth about my life and that, um, you can find at handsfreemama.com. Okay. So go give Rachel a follow and pre-order her book, please. And, um, Rachel, I just loved talking to you today. I hope you'll come back again um, and talk about, I feel like there's a lot of different things that we can talk about, but I just want to thank you for showing up as your authentic self and giving us all permission to do the same. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining me here on the HeartStrong Podcast. Please rate and review this podcast and share an episode that you love with a friend. Because when you do, you help us grow our mission of encouraging people to grow through the challenges of their lives and to live their full potential. We'll see you next time.